0: I'm going to just start reading um, from the passage that we're going to be in. This is in First John chapter two, verses three through fourteen. And uh, John is um, speaking to his readers. He's writing to his readers, and he says, "We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands." And so we know that we know Him. And the truth is not in that person. And so um, John is saying is is that if a person is speaking out of their mouth, I know him, but they don't do what he says, then they're two-faced, they're a hypocrite, they're a liar. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's, That's hard to live up to, isn't it? Is to live as Jesus did. And yet we're in ourselves with Christ. Verse seven, dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. And then verse 12, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. It has an interesting way of writing. Five times in the opening uh, two paragraphs, he uses the word, Command or commands. He says, if we know him, we keep his commands. And then he says, those who say they know him, but do not keep his commands are lying. And then I'm not talking about a new command. I'm talking about an old command. The old command is the one to focus on. Yet, I'm also talking about a new command. Makes total sense, right? I'm not talking about a new command. I'm talking about an old command, but I'm talking about the old command. Focus on that one. But it it is also a new command. Okay, and you get a lot of this when you read John. You get a lot of, he, he uses words and, and he kind of moves those words around and he uses word pictures. And, and sometimes it's hard to understand what he's talking about. But it, it's, it's really important for us to catch this because he, he's saying is, is it's not a new command. It's an old command, but it's a new command also. And we're going to talk about that. Let's try to make sense of it. The truth is, is that you can't make sense of it though or understand it unless you bring in the next paragraph. So there's those first two paragraphs and then um, there's the next paragraphs and you got to keep them together in order to understand what he's saying. He's saying is, is anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Darkness and light, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to grasp in there. So God was talking to one of his angels, and he said, I've created um, 24 hours of alternating light light and darkness on the earth. And the angel said, well, what are you gonna do now? And God said, I think I'll call it a day. You didn't get it, did you? Some of you did. I was really hoping Dana would be here today because those are Dana jokes, right? Any of you that know Dana? Dana, I actually texted him and said, where are you at? I was telling your kind of joke. And he texted back and said, you're driving. I didn't text him back. Um, But uh, um, why is there a K instead of a C in the word dark? Because you can't see in the dark. (laughs) Nah, you were really hoping to get that, weren't you? So... Um, why are the dark ages called the dark ages? Because there's so many nights. I even got a groan out of that one. So Dana's going to have to take some notes. So what is keeping the commands of God have to do with light and darkness? John is using these word pictures and he's, he's putting words side by side so that we can try to understand them and compare them and see what he's talking about. One of the things that Jesus often did was that he shared word pictures and stories on a regular basis to try to help us to understand a deeper truth. He said things like, I am the light of the world, or I am the bread of life. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He said that when he comes again, he will come like a thief in the night. And you can just kind of get that picture in your mind as is, is, wow, That'll be a surprise. That'll be unsus- unsuspecting. But there's all of these word pi- pictures and they're packed with meaning. And then he also used parables, which are fictional stories with a true truth that are beside them. And so he puts this story with a truth side by side. The word parables, it starts with a which means alongside. And so you can, you can have that picture of parallel. And parallel, it's like two tracks alongside of each other, two roads, um, two ways set alongside of each other. And so with parables, there's a story, and then there's the truth in the story. John is doing something like this. He's setting things side by side. And it's it's a little different than a parable, but but you can understand what he's doing with the words light and darkness, putting them uh, next to each other. He says a person may think they're in the light, but if they have hatred in their heart, they're actually in the dark. But anyone who loves their brother and sisters in Christ, and so that spiritual um, those spiritual brothers and sisters, anyone who loves their brothers and sisters in Christ, they're in the light. That said, anyone who hates their brothers and sisters in Christ are in darkness and they walk in darkness. Now, one of the things... that we talked about this week is, is we've been doing this new thing as a staff. We've been getting together and um, reading through the passage each week and talking about it um, before, um, before we do the sermon. And, uh, and this week it was really interesting just to, just to read through the scriptures and talk about it with each other. Um, but one of the things that one of the guys brought up is, is that a lot of times we think of our walk with God is, is how are me and God doing I mean, it's me and Jesus and how, how am I with God? But, but here, John is encouraging us to say, how are me and so-and-so doing? How am I doing with John or how am I doing with Judy? Because John is saying is, is that's actually really, really important and you can't think of your relationship with God as, as separate than your relationship with God's people is you may think you're doing well with God, but if you're not doing well with his people, then you're actually walking in darkness. If you you have hatred uh, for for another brother and sister in Christ, then that affects your relationship with God. And this this takes us from spiritualizing the Christian life, it's me and Jesus. It's actually making it very, very practical. How am I with, and then fill in the blank. How am I with, and who might that be for you? What happens when you walk around in the dark? Anyone with kids know, especially if your kids play with Legos. Because in the middle of the night, when you're walking and you step on a Lego, it's yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Here a little while ago um, uh, Kim and the boys moved. We have a coffee table downstairs in our family room, and they moved it upstairs. And, uh, and it was up there for a week or so, and I'm so glad it got moved back downstairs again. I can't remember what it was, but I, was, I got up, and I was moving around, and when you're not paying attention, and you're moving around, and it was something that got me up, and I, I had to move quickly, and so I started moving around, and I ran into that coffee table and, uh, and then screeched, and it gouged my leg, and, um, and for about two months, I had a bruise on my leg from wandering around in the dark. And most of you, you know what this looks like, is, is you've experienced this, whether it's stubbing your toe or running into something that you forgot was there. Walking in the dark is not fun. Why? Because then you run into things. And according to John, darkness and hatred is the same state of being. And hatred is incompatible with the Christian life. I'm often surprised at the number of Christians who carry hatred in their heart. But in order to make us feel a little bit better, we call it anger or hurt or frustration Or we say, I have a right to feel this way because he, and then we fill in the blank. Or she, and then we fill in the blank. Did you know that unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping someone else will die? Part of the reason Christians are having so little impact on the world right now is probably because the world can't see love in our lives they hear about everything that we're against but they don't see what we're for this isn't hard to understand what John is saying is really simple to understand but it's not easy to live out when we were in our discussion this week about this passage, Kyle, Corbin, JR, and I thought about this passage, and we thought it about, and there's a little bit of a pun here, lightness and heaviness. Love is light, but, but it's also light. Hatred is dark, but it's also Heavy. And you might ask why, and I would say is because we carry it. We carry hatred. More than just having it in our lives, it becomes a heaviness in us. You carry it around with you. And it's so interesting that I had to preach on this passage this week because I can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. It's Friday I started to get angry. I mean like really, really angry. I was angry at the politics that we see on TV. I was angry about masks. I was angry um, about the arguments around masks. I was angry uh, about all kinds of things. I was angry at the people that are angry, which makes total sense, doesn't it? I mean, I was so angry. I was so unbelievably angry that, um, and you can ask him about it, but don't. I was so angry that, I mean, the dog got it. And Kim got nipped at. Um, I was so angry. And when I went to when I went to bed, is, is uh, I thought about is is you know don't go to bed with anger in your heart. And I said, I have to. <laughs> I was so angry. I was I was angry about all of the fighting. And I was angry about things that I didn't even know that why I was angry about them. And I was laying in bed and, and when I thought of that verse, don't let the sun go down on your anger, I thought, Lord, I'm so angry right now that I don't even have the capacity to take care of it right now. And I was so exhausted and I went to sleep hoping that in the morning that it would be gone. It was a heaviness that I cannot even describe. And I've recognized it before. I've recognized it when I've been angry at someone. And I can't get whatever they did out of my mind. It weighs heavily on me. And I began to understand what's being conveyed here in a way that I did not want to understand even though we'd already talked about it. And whatever you want to call it anger, frustration, resentment, whatever it is it all leads to the same place which is hatred. To whatever degree. If you're living in anger if you're living in resentment if you're if you're carrying those kinds of things then you're sacrificing something. Something. And what if you're sacrificing being in the light and having a lightness that only God can give? It's actually what Jesus was critical of the Pharisees for, is is laying heaviness on people. He said, you tie up, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They're just laying these burdens on people's lives and, and, and then it's, what did the Pharisees love? Because Jesus' accusation is, is that they didn't love people that they just weighed people down, but they didn't actually love people. It says that they, in verse, um, Matthew 23, verses 6 and 7, they loved the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They loved to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. They loved the outward expression of life, but they didn't actually love people. They had no love for people. And yet, the essence of the Christian life is to love God and to love people. And and John is saying is is the way that you love people, it starts actually with the people in the body of Christ as his other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, how much harder is it to love the people that you know the most versus the ones that you don't? Sometimes it's harder to love a brother or sister, much less a brother or sister in Christ, especially when you get to know them. And you find out that they're kind of weird and even annoying. I never find you annoying, and I never lie either. But we do, don't we? We kind of annoy each other at times. But within that is, is what does it look like for us to love each other in spite of the annoying? Um, There's a heaviness that we have to be careful about carrying. When you start thinking about things that have hurt you, I can't believe they said that about me. And then they took this, or they told so-and-so this, and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And love is different. Love brings laughter. It brings care. It brings service. It brings this, this sense of, is, is I want the best for you. Love lifts other people up. Interestingly, John is writing to a group of people who are believers. They're followers of Jesus. They are in the light and they are loving their brothers and sisters, so to speak. But I think that the reason that he brings this up is, is that he, he's referring to a group of people that they do have hate in their lives. And from what we can understand of, of John's writing is, is that there's a group of people, there's a group of false teachers that came into the church and they just they started to teach false things about Jesus. And then they split the church and they took a group of people away. And one of the characteristics of this group was that they sowed a seed of hatred for John and for the rest of the church. And they were probably saying is, is, hey, there's this new teaching that you've got to hear about. And so John's saying is, no, 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 don't focus on the new teaching. It's about this old teaching. It's about this old command. And when you when you when you think about it is is what kind of old command is he talking about and and yet it's a, it's an old command but it's also a new command and the command was old in two sen, uh, senses first it was old and that Moses taught about it in the law he he said you sh- you shall love God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself Leviticus 19:18 is love your neighbor Jesus identified it as that as the second greatest command in Matthew 22, he said, love God with all of your being, with everything that's in you, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So in that sense, is the command has been with God's people for 1,500 years at a minimum. It's actually more than that, but it's actually been, been physically like written for God's people for 1,500 years, and so it is an old command, but it's also a new command. In John 13, 34, and 35, the words of Jesus, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a verse that says, as insofar as it up is up to you, be at peace with everyone. I think that I could slip the word love in there without distorting scripture. Insofar as it is up to you. You aren't responsible for whether another person loves you. You are responsible for whether or not you are loving. Insofar as it is up to you. Jesus said, "The distinction that people will notice in your lives is love for one another. In fact, is is when you love one another really, really well, people are going to know that you follow me." I, I love the peanuts cartoons because so often we see a truth in them that we see in ourselves. Also, there's there's the cartoon with Linus who who is saying is, as i love mankind it's people that i don't like love in the abstract is really easy it's loving the people that are up close and center that's really hard it's loving the irritating people that i rub shoulders with that's not easy We might ask is, is what's the antidote to hatred? And forgiveness was one of the words that came to mind. And I actually do think that forgiveness is is a huge part of that, but the antidote is actually love. The antidote to hatred is love, first knowing how much God loved you in spite of your sin. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loves us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. I would suggest that the antidote to hatred is love it's loving people that don't deserve it. Because isn't that what Jesus did for each one of us? He loved us before we ever loved Him back in spite of our sin he loved the people that were spitting in his face as he was going to the cross the people that were grabbing on to his hair and his beard and literally ripping it out of his face and on the cross he said father forgive them for they know not what they do i mean you talk about a love a love that goes all the way to the cross and that hangs on the cross that gives up everything life itself For the people that are really spewing hate that's a love that we don't see often we see more darkness than we see light in this world sometimes even in the church moving in the dark is really really difficult i want to show a quick video um, it's an interesting video and i'll tie it all together um but uh i'll, I'll explain it in a minute Here, here's a quick video What do you think that was a video of? Yeah, it was a plane landing on an aircraft carrier. That was a Boeing F-818F Super Hornet landing on an aircraft carrier. That particular video um, where that pilot is landing on the carrier is, is, on that particular night, they had 15 to 20 foot um, waves that were causing the deck to pitch every which way. Um, we, we lost the audio on it, but, uh, and there wasn't much there. But there were correction calls coming from the landing signal officer helping to guide the pilot aboard, and it was really dark, really dark. And then you could just barely discern... Um, the the landing strip that was there. And the reason why I wanted you to see that is is because today's pilots, they have that ability to navigate via instruments that help them to see in the dark. There was a vector circle at the bottom of the um, video there that you could watch. And it helped the pilot to be able to navigate until he could see the illuminated paint on the deck and it's so interesting because today, pilots actually, they increase the power. They go to full power just as they're going to land. Because if they happen to miss the deck or, or if, the, if the boat pitches at just the right moment, they've got to have enough power to do a fly around and come back and do it again. And what they do is, is they drop a hook on the back of the plane So that when they hit the deck, there's some wires that come up and grab onto that hook and help them to slow down because they're at full power. And that's really important because the American taxpayer does not like paying for $66 million planes that have saltwater damage. So now they're able um, to do what they have not been able to do in the past, but on June 20th, 1944 the U.S. Navy was having a hard time locating the Japanese fleet. And it wasn't until late in the day that the admiral found out where the fleet was. But they only had a couple of hours of daylight left. And the fleet was at a great distance. And the admiral, knowing that it might be their only chance at disabling the japanese fleet sent the planes out and everyone knew everyone from the admiral to the pilots to everyone on every single one of the carriers knew that those planes would have barely enough fuel for a return trip and even worse that they would have to find their way home in the dark those u.s aircraft about 200 of them sunk one japanese carrier they badly damaged another one and they also damaged much of the japanese fleet which is exactly what the u.s needed at that particular time during the war it was a great victory but the pilots now 200 of them were flying home in the dark As night came, some pilots ran out of gas. Other pilots started to become disoriented. Some of them became so disoriented that they literally started sobbing because they could not see and they knew what would happen. And the the admiral had to make a decision. So for a second time that day, he took an incredible risk and he ordered the American fleet to light up the night. Had a Japanese submarine been anywhere remotely close, it would have been terrible, a terrible decision. The dark Pacific night suddenly churned. to be full of light, as every single light that the fleet had was turned on to guide the flyers home. Pilots were scrambling to land. They had so little fuel that they landed on any carrier that had open space on the deck. most of the aircraft were running on fumes some of the landings were pretty rough and the amazing thing is is that out of those 200 airplanes 16 pilots and 33 crewmen were lost the entire complement of aircraft could have easily been lost Instead, they came home because the Admiral said, Let there be light. And a large number of U.S. naval aviators were glad that he did. The world desperately needs light. before anyone else ever said let there be light god did at the very beginning of creation let there be light but there's a sense in which is, is that jesus also said let there be light in you you are the light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hidden And there's other places where it's let your light so shine before men that they may see your Father in heaven and glorify him. And then John telling us what that light looks like and it looks like love. And then Jesus in John chapter 15 My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that they lay down one's life for one's friends. I don't always know exactly what love looks like in our particular situations, but I do know that it's good. And that whatever is really good for others, that it gives us a hint of what it might look like to love them. You know, sometimes that good actually is is calling people back to the body of Christ because they've wandered and they've strayed. Sometimes it, it looks like confessing our own sin. Sometimes it looks like helping other people see their sin but it always looks like Jesus. And so whatever it looks like for you to love people, you'll get a hint of it by looking at Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. We see what love looks like because it was on the cross. That when we were still in our sin, you loved us. Father, I don't know how this gets worked out in our life, but I would assume that all of us have someone that we could easily hold something against, but instead, we should just love them. And we need to love each other because it's it's when we love each other, there's something that the world sees that points them to Jesus. By this, they will know that we follow Jesus. So, Lord, whatever that looks like, and right now our world is a very broken place and we're a part of it. Lord, help us to know what it looks like to care for each other, to serve each other, and then, Lord, to serve the world. Lord, help us not to forget this as we go out into the world, as we seek to love our families, our children, you know, to love in every direction, whether it's up to our parents and grandparents or down, but also, Lord, is, is what it looks like is, is to love, the, love the, the broken people and places of our world and to really be your hands and your feet. So thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen.